Before we get started on an amazing journey with Krishna, here's a heads up. What we have here today is something really special coming from a person who has had so many challenges on so many levels. Life has not been very kind, but that's the whole point. We have an expert at leaping over life's challenges to get to his dreams and realizing his visions at a rapid pace. Personally, he's someone I look up to in my design learning and I do adore his ability to focus and get things done. Krishna is an engineer, designer and a serial entrepreneur with interest ranging from design in education and learning to design in medical applications. His team got nominated for the prestigious James Dyson Award in 2018. Here's us picking his brain to see how he realizes all these projects in such a small amount of time. He is also a good friend of mine and I'm happy to have him here. Krishna shares his experience of how he picked up coding in different languages for his project Excel Scope. The challenges he faced with it and all his learnings. He also gives us a sneak peek into his idea of prioritizing projects and more importantly seeing them through. The internet paints a very rosy picture about success and the benefits one derives from it. Here at the design narrative we want to encourage and involve in conversations that on the contrary bring to life the other side of celebrations joy and smiles the side of hopeless perseverance not knowing what you're working on would be of use to anyone but you trust yourself and go ahead and get it done krishna is a living example of how we all can flow through challenges such as stammering and depression to realize dreams and make them stark realities so what's up krishna how was your day yeah it was good yeah yeah so do you want to join the conversation thomas what a question <laughs> <laughs> so krishna um i remember the first day i met you so the first day i got to see you krishna um was with Shreyas yeah. and you guys were discussing something and uh, all of a sudden then I the, the next scene I see is that you take a bread packet and then run towards <laughs> the studio um, so that was the first uh, time I saw you and then I got to know that um, you have been involved with a lot of um, projects with uh, Shreyas and and that's how I got to know about you but i was also wondering um you know what keeps you so motivated and always on your toes i mean uh, from this to that that to this and you know it's but then you're balancing it so beautifully um and then you know i'm sure like when it comes to um, uh, being a part of so many projects you'll need to rapidly learn things and you know execute things really fast so these are uh all the topics that we want to cover with you today krishna mm-hmm. okay um in your journey i mean from from your childhood and what your background is and how, yeah. what are what were your experiences and and now you're in netherlands and uh what what prompted or motivated you to get here and yeah all of it all all of your design journeys okay yeah so yeah, and think one more thing which he has mentioned Mm-hmm. before uh, starting this podcast was hey i mean 
uh, can i open up a little bit more can i talk about certain things which is normally not talked about yeah uh, in terms of uh, depression and stammering and yeah. so on so uh, i think it's it's something which will be insightful for the audience oh, yes. as to certain things right yeah i mean uh, these are the things that uh, motivates a lot of people but then these are the, the, the secrets that just kept in uh, the dark without mm-hmm. people um uh, Uh, getting to know this mm-hmm. and and so we get into a kind of stigma for mm-hmm. um, uh, our own good I think yeah. um, but then it's not that good mm-hmm. as we all know that mm-hmm. you know if you keep uh, these things to yourself mm-hmm. it's really good to come out in the open and uh, um be a part of a bigger group mm-hmm. i think people mm-hmm. will get connected and mm-hmm. then um maybe find a uh, hope Mm-hmm. in in solving their own problems mm-hmm. and uh, yeah krishna so <laughs> go on and yeah. please share your experiences <laughs> with us okay so um yeah so the reason why i am uh, wanting to do more and more with my life is basically because i i had been through a lot <laughs> well <laughs> since childhood mm-hmm. so i had been actually stuttering since the uh, Uh, since the age of 9 okay and um, yeah like hey even if you have met someone who stutters i think yeah hey, everyone can relate to what i'm saying or what i felt because um uh, not being able to talk yeah uh was like a major hurdle for yeah. me but then i think i uh, i uh, kind of managed it in a very different way mm-hmm. i think like mm-hmm. like for instance since i was not able to talk or the way i used to have a hurdle while talking so and that is enable to observe people more okay like um, like for instance if a, a teacher at 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 class is going to ask me something and then yeah and yeah if if she is going to ask me anything and then i used to uh, understand that okay so she is going to approach me so she this is the next question and this is how i should actually cope up and these oh. are the words i'm going to talk and so i used to have like a uh a mind <laughs> well uh yeah so the so one of the coping strategies as a kid mm-hmm. was that i always used to have like a, a mind which is in which is in actually parallel with my current consciousness yeah so uh, i if i'm going to talk something then i'm going to uh alternate it with a word that i would stutter yeah so uh, such methods also help me to understand how people think and how people see and things like that yeah. so that has helped yeah so yeah so actually coming back to your question of how it started well yeah so basically so so my childhood was pretty much like that and i was bullied as a kid so i uh, so i just did not like team play take it football cricket or whatever oh, so okay. i couldn't fit into my own peer group okay so i but then i could relate to people who are much older than me so okay. i i never had friends till the age of like 8th grade till 8th grade oh. like 15 years okay so all that i did was playing in my own world like i created a world for myself like mm-hmm. imaginary world and then i used to uh, um uh, build stuff building stuff was my favorite pastime yeah so okay. for instance i built um um uh, a bot okay 
well this was in grade 2 yeah so i built my uh, first bot which was uh, based on um, different weights that yeah. balances itself and it could actually walk forward yeah so that was like a great achievement back then for me wow and then and then yeah of course as as every other kid my major source of inspiration in technology was mm-hmm. from actually swatcats Oh wow, yeah, that's <laughs> nice. I think uh, all of us share the same uh, cartoons. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. like staying Swat late cats, up and not, not missing any episode of that. Yeah. Jet planes, Swat, yeah, Swat cats and Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z for me as well. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so it was pretty much like that, and 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 also I liked uh, to to go out in the nature and connect with it. For example, I used to uh, build uh, like like. Uh, we used to have like a space near my house mm-hmm. it's like a ground and then i used to uh, have like actually reservoir okay. built and then dams check dams based on floats oh, and wow. which would open up automatically with the level yeah. like this was in like when i was in grade 1 2 3 and all uh, i used to um, build well uh, small channels okay. that direct to all plants mm-hmm. and based on the level of each plant it would automatically go to the next Oh, the, the, okay. the floor yeah, used to get yeah, regulated yeah, yeah. Yeah, according okay. to the levels mm-hmm. and I used to build bridges out of mud and stones oh, so, okay. so that my uh, remote control car can Go cross the it. canals oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like all this was too much fun mm. um, so and this was my much of my childhood yeah and um, then when I was in teenage like around 8th 9th grade um, when I changed schools and all like I, I was like like i was very naive and like a introvert and i was bullied i was actually pelted with stones and things like that mm-hmm. um so that pushed me even uh, deeper within me like i i started searching for the meanings of life and what is life what is philosophy you know like all those kind of philosophical thoughts okay um and yeah so but then this also gave me this like a drive within me that uh, okay so i should prove myself that i should show or 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 yeah i, like I should like a sort of vengeance it, okay no, no yeah yeah it's not a vengeance but it is more of a fear that you have within yourself like and you a, want to overcome that i think it is more like a kind of a repression okay. because of being bullied and yeah, you bullying. wanted to overcome that and you wanted a, a channel to kind of yeah exactly uh, channel all my negative all your all the fears all and the fears and positive thing mm-hmm. yeah but but even channelizing it was like much later because mm-hmm. that conscious decision that i have to channelize something to something mm-hmm. good was mm-hmm. a much later uh, thing that happened but then earlier it was more like a, f- a fear like uh, okay so if i'm starting my day i used to wake up with the fear that okay so today something's going to happen to me at school so that fear you know mm-hmm. like the uh, way people at lo- look at me mm-hmm. and also um, my my peer my my peers i used to call me names and like mr bean and you know things like mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. as if i do not know anything and so i had to prove them that okay and so i i i just wanted to prove it's not for others but proving to myself that i am capable much more than mm-hmm. what people think mm-hmm. so that kind of drive but then uh, until uh, school which is was actually grade 12 
till that i used to fail in all subjects and i was like a complete washout and i even actually repeated great one dual yeah one great oh, wow. so in because of bullying and stuff okay so i yeah because i hated to go to school right okay so i had not study and it was affecting me a lot so i had to drop one year and then I took uh, 11th and 12th again oh yeah so okay. i took an extra grade like extra one year to study to to finish schooling uh but then when i stepped into college mm-hmm. everything changed like that drive which was which was it within me that uh, i wanted to implement okay. so i started uh doing whatever i wanted to do always okay. like because actually tinkering was something that was in, in me mm-hmm. and and one thing that i liked the most was to build anything out of anything you know like okay like uh for example searching in the internet like mm-hmm. how to do stuff and what are things required mm-hmm. i i just have uh i just like the challenge of uh making something tangible with whatever materials i had okay instead of going and buying specific things in a it. way you taught yourself how to solve your own problems yeah kind of so basically uh using available materials means that you have to understand the 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 way the materials interact yes and also the way it works mm-hmm. so you'll have to create your own logic of combining them yes so and that challenge i i you got good at that yeah i go yeah exactly yeah really there was this uh, i mean right from the beginning there was this curiosity towards uh, experimenting with things and yeah, exactly. uh, especially in terms of engineering and and materials and, and materials but and then it was not more like a engineering engineering like not the mm-hmm. in quotes yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. but then um, it was more like understanding how things work mm-hmm. and uh, how things interact with each other mm-hmm. it's a, like like going back to the childhood story of um, building uh, canals and uh, mm-hmm. things like that like i didn't know what is buoyancy what is this that but still i i understood how things worked mm-hmm. so i could build something out of it right mm-hmm. so so with this so, so the reason why i took mechanical engineering bachelor's was this like just to understand how things work in a more comprehensive way so yeah so yeah so so then uh, you're basically saying that you had a feel for all these materials even without knowing how their properties or any of it, like no- nothing like, i think even any. we uh, kind of uh, go through a similar phase right but in terms of like we might not actually know what is buoyancy and uh, what is thermodynamics to actually light a fire and yeah, exactly. no yeah. this is heat right Yeah. So uh but I think he did a lot of tinkering with uh, a lot of materials to understand what is uh, surrounding him. Mm-hmm. And that that's something which has been uh, continued even after school and into engineering. So now that brings me another question. So you got into engineering and mm-hmm. you did mechanical engineering, right? And uh, now how and why design? So why this uh, leap mm-hmm. from engineering to design? and also what differences do you find in terms of your own own learning in terms of how these two are uh, different right and how you are interlink fitting more into this uh, design background and yeah. what yeah if if you if you ask why um integrating both uh, as i earlier told that you know like i really like to observe and think about life like how things it's not only about physical objects but it's also about our interactions yeah, with the, our, our interaction our minds and mm-hmm. uh, like how people interact with each other how life as a whole works so i think um a physical product a mere physical product uh, is useful only when a mind interacts with it right 
so it's not only that physical object which is in isolation the meaning exists only when you are interacting with exactly. it with the physical so object. basically uh, until until you have an uh, element of interaction between a product or a solution or or something that you have in hand it can be like artifact mm-hmm. in in design you call artifacts right so if you have an artifact and if you understand how how people perceive it and if the artifact um, provides the um, emotional requirement of the person who is interacting i think and that makes it more efficient in terms of adoption in terms of feeling in terms of giving a, a meaning to it so Could i can give more a more of a concrete example so that yeah, the okay, audience cool. can understand yeah, what sure. you're trying to so uh, yeah so so basically uh, i will go a little backward in time so uh, in my 8th grade i first saw the movie uh, we had a movie like it's okay yeah mm-hmm. sure uh yeah so well it was actually other than the day after tomorrow mm-hmm. so day after tomorrow was more about actually global warming and stuff like that uh so back then uh i i started thinking okay so how i'm going to make this life more meaningful and I, like i really want to save the world and things like that so and then somewhere in college uh, in bachelors i started to think that okay so for instance we are washing machines and um so if you're going to go to people and say okay don't don't use washing washing machines then they're not going to stop using it just because it saves the world but mm-hmm. if you're going to create a product that still serves the needs of the people but at the same time also is more sustainable in terms of reduced water usage mm-hmm. then it's going to benefit the world because more and more people are going to adopt it mm-hmm. so i thought uh, if you want to create a change it is not that one person creates a change right it, it is about how you influence others to be part of the change mm-hmm. and that has more impact than you mm-hmm. going and fighting and you doing something you as a person mm-hmm. cannot make anything mm-hmm. so so even if you take dhave the initiative so the whole idea, so, so the whole initial idea was it's not that okay i'm going to change the face of education in india but it's about showing the world this is possible and you guys can also do it so you inspire many more to do it mm-hmm. so, it's, uh, so it's, this is why i think uh, design in terms of uh, creating meanings meaningful interactions between people or the user with the product or the service that means a lot mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. because in engineering you don't do it mm-hmm. in engineering it's more of a you just create a cell phone or a technology solar panel wind energy whatever you call it right mm-hmm. so it just works it is efficient and it gives you some outcome but then what but what about the context what exactly. about the what other about social about, cultural exactly. factors which we are not really taking if, into account if people don't like it if people don't want to use it mm-hmm. then it's just out of the box mm-hmm. right just out of the picture mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. then the, what's the point yeah that brings me to this question krishna i mean with respect to engineering and design it's so different as to how people perceive it also for us when you we um, come from a totally engineering background right here they do have a lot of skills that we need to pick up and as a as a newbie in design when you landed here um what were your challenges and what was your biggest hurdle that you had to overcome to mm. be able to express yourself um and create products that you really wanted to and how did you go about doing that 
Yeah. And how did you find the support yeah. that you did find? Okay. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting question. So I think the biggest hurdle was uh, the change in me. I think it is something that we all face as people in general. Uh, like, um, if you want to create, like they say that if you want to see a change, then you have to change yourself first, mm-hmm. right? So be I, the change you want to yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. World, right? mm-hmm. So I think that had a very profound uh, impact on me. That the, the saying. So basically, the major hurdle or major challenge that I had was that uh, the the very fact of slowing down. because we engineers are very good in jumping right into the solution right into ideation mm-hmm. without even understanding what is the problem right mm-hmm. so that process of slowing down going back and taking a broader view of okay this is the context this is the uh, you know this is the problem and why this problem exists in the first place mm-hmm. what are the different opportunities to solve there mm-hmm. instead of that problem itself right yeah that process itself and took me some time because oh, okay. initially i didn't understand what design meant because all i knew was engineering design oh. right in because engineering design is also design right you also design something you also make something so you so also do some uh, fabrication exactly. things like fabrication that's yeah. also design right so what's the big difference between product design and design uh, and engineering right engineering design so that took me a year yeah and wow that was very tough and, uh, and also adding to this uh, i also had a very interesting experience at the I made a boot camp that had been recently. Uh, even there, uh, the whole point was about asking why of the problem. You go back, then you understand the context, then you come back to the solution. So you're so, talking about those uh, layers of why, right? Like yeah. So say, exactly. Yeah. So 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 basically, to understand the context, we have a design process called the uh, well. Well, it's called the actually five whys. Mm-hmm. So you start with the problem. and then you ask why this is there and then you ask like you go backward in five ways for example five times so for example if you say um okay so uh, okay so uh, the the problem is you are wasting water in washing machines you ask why yeah why why because mm-hmm. you will have to wash clothes mm mm-hmm. and then why mm-hmm. why, then you are, why do you are wearing yeah. your clothes and then mm-hmm. you you don't have time to wash them then you like you know like that like that way you go back understand the root cause the yeah. root cause of the problem why mm-hmm. it exist mm-hmm. it can be because you are living in an urban city mm-hmm. it is because you are you are lazy or it is because you are going to office things like that right so you understand the context first then you you try to determine whether it's possible to solve the root in order to solve the final mm-hmm. problem oh. or then you go one layer down one layer down and that is possible to yeah. solve but uh, but then in terms of situations like um, women are attacked in the roads you ask why then you say it's it's a problem of um, uh, the the uh, way society reacts to Things women and, yeah. then you ask why it may be due to poverty it may be due to uh, actually political instability then you go back why then they are unemployed but but then if you want to solve unemployability it is it is not a oh, one day affair right you cannot solve unemployability within one or two years so then you go okay so this is not possible so you go further one step and then try to solve them mm-hmm. you know so this is a very interesting exercise to help you understand the context mm-hmm. 
so uh, krishna i mean uh, like when i've been working with you for quite some time now and i've been observing in a way as to how you think and what kind of projects you do right so even before the whole d have started uh, you you were working with orville for some time you were doing uh, photography and a couple of other projects even during uh, like even before college if i'm not wrong so uh, one thing which i've observed is that there is a specific focus or let's say there is a specific focus towards the social sector yeah uh, so when you say design you say a design for solving a specific need and uh, that has been something which has been an overarching uh, theme of all your projects so my question to you is why social sector Mm-hmm. and uh, do you think there are some uh, uh, experiences in the past or certain incidents which has happened uh, which has prompted you to go towards this direction and also if uh, like you can also t- talk a brief about uh, all these projects we've been t- doing in this yeah, segment yeah, yeah sure yeah so uh, if you ask why social sector i think the inspiration came from my grandfather and my mother so my grandfather was a well i would call a well i would call him a actually visionary mm-hmm. uh he, because he transformed like three villages back in the 1930s he took up work and he brought in very innovative process like to actually save river banks and plant um, broad leafed le- uh, trees so that it could it could have effect on the monsoons mm-hmm. things like that um and because of him uh like the villages like transformed a lot and it's like a huge transformation mm-hmm. now like that i could see mm-hmm. no like i didn't see him working in 1930s but now i could see the uh, ripples of it so you could you could see the impact yeah, the, the fruits impact. of oh, the yeah, exactly. efforts right yeah so and in fact he inspired his daughters because in back then like daughters were supposed to be be housewives and like not very active but then um he had three daughters and out of three uh uh Oh, one of his daughter um, is a, a leading doctor mm. in the US um, and uh, the second is a teacher and the third my mom is an IAS officer and I could really see and I've been living in a family where um, everyone is committed towards social change I mean social impact mm-hmm. like uh, because yeah of course uh, though i've seen my mother working towards this but then uh i i i like more than her efforts uh i could also see the impact that it has created on families of how uh like uh, some of them like i've i've met some of them and they, they just treat her as god like you know that so, so much impact is brought in like like i'm not sure uh, I, i should go into the details of what happened but uh, just like so you would call yourself as an impact designer right like uh, yeah, would, exactly. you, would you yeah. term it in that yeah, way yeah yeah so so um, basically i want to design for the well 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 i this okay yeah fine mm-hmm. yeah so basically uh the way i see uh, design and engineering and the way i want to live my life is like i want to be a designer who designs basic and essential technologies for people it's not more of a luxurious products but it's more of um um uh, what the 
the bottom of the economic pyramid yeah, bottom twice, of pyramid right? once and yeah yeah um and yeah and and, and also what examples uh, so all this started uh, okay though i have been uh, getting inspiration from my grandfather and mother so the moment when i started working towards social social relevant projects is when my uh, dean in my bachelors so we were in a discussion i, I because he is my one of my favorite uh, uh, persons to have a deep discussion with about life and philosophy and things like that so it was during one such conversation that he was telling how i could use my um, i love my love for engineering and uh, tinkering towards social impact so he was the one who introduced me to nif okay national uh, innovation foundation yeah. right so nif is it yeah nif national innovation foundation, foundation. okay yeah so I basically heard of it. yeah so, so it is a it's a national i think yeah krishna i think yeah, you know you know it much better so so basically it's a government of india initiative okay. so what they do is they 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 actually scout for um, grassroots innovations they go for a um rounds of scouting where they walk basically they literally walk across villages in like each specific state every year um then these uh, these um, ideas or seed ideas to the grassroots innovations innovators have done they take it to the r&d lab at nf they develop there they and they create um, business models for the grassroots innovators so that they can uh, get take it forward okay this is what so uh, i had the opportunity to do an internship my college so at nif something very interesting happened so i was involved with this kid who was just finished his actually 7th grade but okay. then uh, he was uh, like he, he, he was awarded with a if you've heard of the inspire awards yeah. so it's 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 a it's a national award for school children okay. who come with innovative ideas okay. so, so the idea was to um uh grade rice for his mother yeah uh from grains and from husk so he okay. made like a small motor waste and like a like a device yeah so it was it, yeah of course it was awarded and uh, my work uh, at nif was to actually help him help him to design it into a product okay right so beyond my like responsibilities as a designer we developed a close friendship with, with with the boy like i had developed this very beautiful friendship with the boy and um um so we basically co-created the grader uh, into a solution which can be off grid so which can impact more women like his mother mm-hmm. around india around okay. the villages so that it doesn't re- require energy or electricity but it doesn't require it doesn't require so it's, so it's, it's off for the off grid areas villages like so, so you just put rice inside like a whole after harvest you put it inside and then it just uh, separates everything out it separates wow. broken rice whole rice husk dust everything into separate trays mm-hmm. so that it could separate and it's also very low cost it's around 250 rupees or something wow yeah so we just made it and then um, and then he once told me that uh, uh, like uh, it's it's allah that uh sent me to him so that uh, he could get help from me and things like that it, it, it was so touching okay so getting s- such words from a young boy right yeah um so then i was thinking oh, why not we like because i i i've been always thinking how could i lead a meaningful life life right mm-hmm. so i was thinking why not 
ஐ அஸ் அ இன்ஜினியர் ஆர் டெக்னிக்கல் பர்சன் டிஸ் ஸ்டார்ட் டிசைனிங் ப்ராடக்ட்ஸ் ஃபார் திஸ் பாப்புலேஷன் ஃபார் திஸ் பாட்டம் ஆஃப் த பிரமிட் ரைட் பிகாஸ் அட் த டாப் கிரிமி லேயர் தே தே ஆல்ரெடி கெட் அ லாட் ஆஃப் ஃபெசிலிட்டிஸ் அண்ட் லாட் ஆஃப் ரிசோர்ஸஸ் அண்ட் ஸ்டஃப் பட் தீஸ் Um, they get neglected by the big companies yeah, and the big companies people yeah. like you need to stand up and innovate for them right yeah okay so this explains a lot in terms of how uh, dhiv as well started right exactly so could you just explain the transition, transition from yeah, yeah, uh, sure. nif to yeah, sure. dhiv and yeah so your, uh, i mean uh yeah, like staying in the like a village in a mm. in a remote tribal location in maharashtra without knowing the language as well and also having stammering issues so just yeah. give us a little bit of yeah sure uh yeah so the um main learning that i got from nif is that like though these kids were really creative like i could see that how kids could come up with very simple solutions for very complex complex issues yeah. um but then this needed a organization like nif right like they needed facilities they needed tools they needed fab labs to help create their ideas yeah. but i was wondering it was like a imagination like what if the children the community themselves can create such solutions within their village mm-hmm. and not having to depend on someone not having to depend on the government or the ngos or someone instead of them what if they can create their own solution but this was just in the back of my mind and um and around that time uh, we had a movie in tamil uh, just called actually velella padadari if you have heard of it okay no okay so <laughs> it be literally translates to uh, a, a person who is unemployed yes exactly right velella <laughs> ta yeah so yeah so well it's Find called whatever <laughs> yeah what yeah so basically uh, velella padadari is oh, a, a degree holder okay, okay. and and an unemployed degree holder oh, that's okay. what it means okay 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 yeah so um the so that sparked me an emotion in me mm-hmm. that okay so there are a lot of very creative people mm-hmm. but just because they are not in very premier institutions like an iit and nit mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they are stupid or dumb right exactly right yes. so i want to i want to create a platform that could that could give the opportunity to them so, to solve the problems yeah. right so but then i had no idea of startups i had like nothing no resources so that's when dhiv started so we wanted to create a startup and that we wanted to call it dhiv like design high like community of people working together that's when it started in which was around 2014 uh but then we had to drop because as i said like we didn't know what to do right like it was just like a fire in me that okay i want to do this but i didn't know how okay so i i had to like leave out like not like leave out but drop that idea for a while okay and then in 2015 i got selected for the uh, uh youth for india program fellowship um to give an audience a little bit of a background yeah. uh, youth for india is uh, there is a fellowship program offered by the sba foundation in india and uh, this gives an opportunity for uh, talented individuals uh, uh, who would like to come to uh, rural areas and work with the communities to come up with solutions so that yeah. is where you both met yes i mean yeah. okay. uh, he was an sba fellow okay. and i was a youth for india fellow as well so okay uh, i basically continued uh, the dhive project and took it forward oh nice yeah. <laughs> okay yeah. yeah uh 
yeah so basically um and 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 just uh, adding a little more detail about the social events mm-hmm. um it was in 2015 when i got into the fellowship um that uh come on basically i started uh, assessing the uh, village and since it was a drought prone region i started thinking uh, how is that i'm going to use my engineering skills to solve uh, or or maybe not solve but uh, help people to access safe drinking water right um so um so the uh, existing solution for them was to pots like to have like earthen pots and that they were carrying in their heads and things like that um of course it's a a very difficult thing to do in the, under the hot sun and they have to travel like 5 to 10 kilometers per day um so i uh des- i i had quickly designed with with the, with the with the help of a local workshop guy uh so the thing that we made was uh, all terrain vehicle like all terrain non motor vehicle to um which can um, transport up to 100 liters of water of course uh, and this became a hit and the district collector came to see in a local expo and he was very impressed and he said okay so i'm going to fund you and you can you know take it to the yeah, next level uh, of implementation right? but then the people were not very happy they were like okay you know this is not going to work or you know like uh, they were skeptical yeah yeah exactly they were skeptical they were like okay who's this guy what's his benefit of doing this and uh, i'm not going to listen to him and all those things mm. like because i cannot have explained to them the efficiency and yeah, things yeah. like like the engineering aspect problem of it, right? was not in terms of an efficiency point of view but more in terms of their acceptance exactly how much they yeah exactly yeah okay um then uh it was just uh, two months into my fellowship around that time so uh, well uh, i had been to uh my home and we had a storm in 2015 right like we mm. had a storm in chennai and then yeah. uh i was kind of locked up in inside my house we cannot go outside and it was during those two days that i started thinking okay so so the problem is not about the technology development but but it's about the implementation but it, it's about the way people perceive a solution and how they want to own it so mm-hmm. that's the problem that i need to address then i started thinking okay so similar to the knife model so because i i, I had the question back then like what if it can be autonomous like what if the ch- people themselves can solve it right so i got reminded of it so i was thinking oh, why not we implement it during the fellowship because i wanted a challenging project not like a, some any like a, any other engineering project that i'm used to right i want to take up a very challenging project so because this this in, involved the human element exactly. it involved behavioral change exactly because behavioral change is the most toughest thing right like you cannot really achieve like you cannot easily achieve it um so when i uh, went back to the village i pitched this to my local mentor and to the field partners that i was working with and uh, they just thought it was a joke they just laughed and you know it, they said no no this is not possible within your 13 month period of the fellowship they said uh this is what we have been uh trying for years now but it's not happening those kind of behavioral change and bringing people into the chain and in, into the impact it's not going to happen but then i thought uh maybe i should I, i give it a try at least give it like a pilot trial 
and then see whether it works or not so since i'm a engineering by background i didn't know anything about education so i didn't know how to uh, bring that kind of attitude with with the people right so initially to just to uh, validate my idea of is it possible so i went to talk with the elders of the community and all, uh, they were really skeptical again and they were like okay but but this is not my cup of tea like i have already a lot of things to do in my life mm-hmm. and uh, life is very hard here i have to do farming and things like that so then i was like actually really upset of what i'm going to do and then so uh, your plan initially was uh, to try to see if you can co-create with the elder members of the community exactly. right yeah and in a way they were kind of showing resistance to that yeah because uh, generally like adults or uh, they 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 are uh, they want inertia for change uh, inertia to change right so then uh, i was like like i was just going through this whole process and it was uh, like i was invited to a dinner at a local villager home uh, and uh, it was during that dinner period uh, a young girl of like age 15 16 she came she came to me and asked like okay sir like i have a doubt in science and then she was asking the doubt so um, instead of answering the question i was like very curious uh, to know that okay i was just asking oh why do you learn science she did not have an answer so she uh, went back to the went back to her parents instead and then she was asking the same question so krishna sir is asking why i am learning science and then uh, the parents also didn't know right mm. so i realized that uh, okay so now if i'm going to trigger a question in the in, in the mind of the child it's going to trigger a conversation in the family in turn which gets reflected with with all the people in the community yes. as well mm-hmm. so and this was a major realization then i started to think why not adults like oh why adults why not children Mm. so in that in that way you can also trigger a larger behavioral change among the adults as well exactly. through the conversation which they'll have with exactly how oh, their own children mm. because it's own children right so if if i'm going to me as a person going to say to a villager that hey you know like uh, this is the problem in the village let's solve it they'll be like who are you like you do not know us you do not you are not belonging to our culture or place or something like i i'll be i'll be treated as an alien like usually it happens yes, in villages for right? now you're a foreigner yeah exactly a foreigner to that place right but then if i'm gonna um, do that with a child and that the child is going to talk it with the parents the the parent will have the bond that okay this is my child who's very intelligent like me and so i'll listen to her or him right yeah and that kind of a yeah so that this kind of uh, brings me to his earlier point of uh, five wise yeah uh, of layering your questions mm-hmm. so in a way you've layered adults in a different layer yeah, and exactly. then you have children in another layer exactly. and then you target them uh <coughs> with respect to uh, giving them more ideas about uh, innovation and how to go about things and yeah, yeah. okay so and uh, then what happened was uh, even this was not a very easy thing because uh, of course i can go and teach um, kids anything but then uh engaging them in a meaningful activity it was a tough ch- uh, it was a tough call because uh what happened was uh the parents of the the adult males of the community of 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 the village they were like still skeptical okay like uh they were like um so you you want to do such things with my kids or you are you serious because you want to do something like building stuff right 
um so they were skeptical so i had to get their uh not like an approval but it's more like um blessing not a ble- okay not a blessing <laughs> but uh, yeah but it's more of a well uh, yeah so yeah so it's uh, well it's adu like a nod from them yeah nod from them or maybe you could like a green Call light a, yeah exactly like a light green light from so that they don't yeah exactly they don't interfere with you yeah. as you continue your project <laughs> <laughs> not exactly but then okay. uh, yeah so uh, what i did was like in order to uh, penetrate the community because even if i teach kids like even if i'm going to bring kids to the uh, making the change thing uh now, now the parents also have to get engaged right right so the approach that i found was i started uh, playing with kids showing them tom and jerry playing cricket with them and things like that okay it was like more like a job for me like playing cricket because i did not know how to play cricket yeah. so i had to learn to play cricket with the kids to to yeah, bond with them, them bond with them yeah and uh, yeah and and uh, also in the process i i also actually fractured my finger little finger okay <laughs> that was a very interesting case and uh, yeah so then what happened was like uh, slowly uh, since i got close to the children then i got close to the mothers who invited me for dinners okay and uh, and the elders the the elder like grandmother grandfather they were also very impressed because i was good with the children mm-hmm. so in a family all the three were good and the and the father and the like a male adult was kind of cornered okay. to agree that okay this guy is good okay right so and this also helped me a lot in order to penetrate the community because ashes had told like i didn't know the language mm. i couldn't communicate who i was what i was trying to do the emotional part right yes. maybe i can show them okay i'm a teacher i'm an engineer only that's that's all i could say right yeah so because i didn't know even hindi how did you communicate to these people <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> no how yeah. sign language uh yeah kind of sign language and and also that uh, everyone had a bits and pieces of english right like hi bye good morning good evening so one interesting right? trivia is that uh, the children uh, in order to speak to krishna they they felt like learning english yeah and even now i maybe we can just have a call with one of the students and they speak really good english i mean oh, <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. this was for how many months? Uh well, uh the fellowship is for 13 months. 13 months. That's more than a year easy. One year one month. Okay. Nice. Wow, this is yeah. so nice. Uh yeah, so that explains how you got into education and then uh, you exactly. found your uh, I think your uh, love of uh, working with children and Exactly. Yeah. Also doing design and also doing development sector. It yeah. was like uh, the best of all the worlds I think. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah because uh, because through these experiences i realized that how education could be a powerful tool in changing perspectives of people because if you take society as a whole it is just a, a collective of perspectives that people have right if you take any religion or any kind of a collective emotion or a collective yes. identity yeah. it is just a set of perspectives that It's has like been embedded in them at some point of their lives yeah what if we have a tool which here is education which can change the way pe- the ch- child looks at life yeah. if that can be uh, uh, impacted then i think that could be change in the future behavioral mm-hmm. change 
it, it's not only behavioral change right it's also about how they look at life it's not yes. about only how they behave and how um, you know they interact with things but it's also about how they see things and then what they want to become and how the how they want the society to be oh yes yeah yeah so i think uh, this is a very indirect tool of to 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 impact the world like when you say you want to change the world it can be in any number of ways you can it can do be it in governance it be, or uh, it can be governance it can mm-hmm. be anything right but then if you see at the root cause if you take the five ways or you take more than five ways it will boil down to the point that the way people look at life or people look at some things right yeah. the perspectives yeah at the end of the day governance is just a tool right uh, to help people be in a community yeah, in, a, exactly. in a culture and but so that culture governance any kind of identity that a human being has yeah. is just uh as is just a group of perspectives yes by perspectives i think thoughts and yeah. emotions and yeah. you know things like that yes. so if that can be influenced that's the rootest root if that can be touched all of this can be improved or influenced or impacted yeah, yeah. so this is the way and this is why i wanted to enter into the education field because yeah because that's the root of everything that's <laughs> amazing i mean i i really um draw a lot of inspiration from this to, um dhive uh, experience of yours <laughs> this is like yeah, yeah but it's amazing uh, i mean coming to activism yeah. uh, krishna i mean thomas i think you might not have known about this but krishna is also a activist in terms of animal rights yeah. uh, okay. and he has been doing quite a lot of uh, such uh, protests yeah. if yeah, i'm not exactly. wrong so we used to do flash mobs inside uh, uh, a mcdonald's kfc oh. and these kind of things then we uh, so i was one of the founding members of direct action everywhere in uh, in my city that yeah so mm-hmm. direct action everywhere is every like around the world so basically what we do is we raise awareness of how um, the food on your plate is not only food but it's an animal like it used to be a live animal with the family like we don't say about veganism we don't say about your killing or something we just say that this food is equal to a like a family that was once there okay. so we try to create the bond and then it is up to the people to choose whether they want to eat it or not um yeah so then this uh, uh, hel- helps me kind of like uh, it prompts me prods me to ask you about um this really important stuff uh, question with respect to you said um you did um uh, design for your own needs right yeah your own needs and um how did you go about that like when did you realize that you had to do that for yourself like you had to give <coughs> your ideas a chance and uh, maybe put in efforts in that and yeah. and succeed and what was the motivation behind such projects like uh, you know helping ants <laughs> yeah uh yeah so i think that started pretty much later on like when i started thinking about like what if i could use my design uh interest to to solve the problems of my own you know like i think that started after i started my masters here in delft oh okay um so uh, i and shreyas we had a casual conversation about uh, my my how is a speech impediment uh, and then i was just wondering what if i can use design thinking to understand the problem first why stammering occurs mm-hmm. and then and try to solve it with design mm-hmm. 
so currently i am uh, working on this actually conversational assistant mm-hmm. so i am trying to um, i use the 89 dictionary if you remember from the old nokia phones that we had it's a, abc t9 t9 yes t9 yes yes t9 yes i am trying to uh, create a glove based uh, interface glove gloves okay gloves where uh, we, we have like 10 fingers yeah. and i'm using uh, except the two thumbs like the four eight fingers mm-hmm. to use for the t9 keypad okay so that i so while while conversing if if i'm stuck at a word i want my assistant to uh, substitute the word for me okay in terms of audio or video, like a, if if for example if i'm doing a uh talk on the stage okay like right so if i'm using slides and i i want if 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 i'm stuck in a word i don't want to get blocked mm-hmm. and instead i want to show the people what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. or maybe or maybe like an audio device to show that this is what i'm trying to so say. i think there might be some words which uh, like you might find yeah, it difficult exactly. to kind of say at that moment and you want this certain uh, uh, prediction uh, uh, using gestures uh, of your hand right exactly. based yeah. to your finger so that you could uh, exactly. like give yeah. this yeah exactly yeah because uh, i usually i get uh, stuck with words that start with uh, m and k yeah k uh, yes yeah k uh and uh, that's why i find it very hard to say my name krishna mm-hmm. maybe now it's easier but when mm-hmm. i'm starting to say that hey this is krishna yeah and especially in the netherlands mm-hmm. i found it really hard to interact with people because the first thing the first gesture is you give like you give handshake. your hand for handshake yeah. and then you uh, introduce yourself yes. with the name mm-hmm. that was very very hard so a lot of times i just say like hey and then i'm like i'm done you know like mm-hmm. and then they just and uh, take it for like a rude gesture mm mm-hmm. um yeah so i think for such social interactions to help me um engage more in social interactions i think such uh such a conversational assistant would be really helpful for me and also uh, by helping you it can help uh, several others or Million millions others. of others uh, exactly. who have a similar problem yes and sure. yeah and and also i think it's not also about uh, for people who have a stutter but it's also about people who have like for instance who cannot speak or yeah. who are in the icu with mm-hmm. with all these devices clipped on and they cannot speak yeah. they can use it like you know like the applications are, are yeah are are huge right are huge yeah uh, so this um, does it use artificial intelligence in a way uh, to prompt to guess what wo- word you might say next well that's an interesting thing but uh, currently i'm not using it because uh, i didn't want to use um, uh, like basically i didn't want to make it more expensive okay. i wanted to make it accessible for more people mm-hmm. so i want to use a simple interface using t9 dictionary okay yeah which works which works which has already worked for years so yeah so yeah okay and uh, another project that i'm uh, currently working on is uh, a toolkit to help those who are uh, depressed and those who suffer from anxiety yeah because i think uh, i've seen a lot of people and uh, even as a personal experience i've been suffering from de- i would say suffering but i'm coping with depression for the past 4 years okay um so um so i think the major problem with um student community in an international context like no international students let's even take uh, here for example i mean as yeah in delft right like in, in delft i've seen a lot of students 
who suffer from depression and the most uh, difficult part of the depression part is like either they don't open up or even if they want to open up there is no resource available to help them okay so there are uh, again, i think if i'm not wrong counselors, there, there are right? counselors who kind of uh, exactly. you can have sessions with exactly them. but then the problem is like we don't get access to them readily and also that uh, getting an appointment with them is very hard it takes time but then when you need them like when you're depressed it's not like okay so uh, i have this problem and then i can wait for a long wait for time. like 2 months to get to an gp or a, to a psychologist right yeah it doesn't work like that no you need someone to be there with you who can listen to you and who can have a good conversation with you right to help vent out your mm. and time uh, is a big feelings. factor and time is a big factor that is a major problem in dealt as far as i've seen with respect to design how does that make sense like how 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 do you uh, link uh, a problem like depression and how do you solve it using the design methodologies yeah no, how yeah. do you how do you how do you make sense of that yeah sure so uh, i think uh, design is not only about making a product or a service right yeah it it is also about understanding the problem and solving it like it can be any problem it can be even uh, as simple as uh making your shelf more efficient in space utilization right you yes. just order things like even that is creativity that is design right yeah. so uh i think um to solve this problem of uh, depression and um creating a toolkit for them i think uh, it is first necessary to understand why the students get depressed so so uh, of course like we have a lot of theories around why people get depressed ranging from uh, imbalanced chemicals in the brain to uh you know to a more individualist society and you know think like like a lot of yeah. theories and causes right mm-hmm. but then uh from my personal experience and from the experience of my friends i think the major gap that we can address probably in this in this situation is that um creating the space for for a person suffering from anxiety or depression or loneliness um where he can oh, open up okay that that is the problem that we can identify through design right like it so okay. how do you give that uh, channel to vent out yeah exactly and to talk to people in exactly it's like uh, i mean uh, this remind like uh, uh, can you tell me some differences in terms of how uh, in terms of like we have support groups and we kind of sit together and talk and kind of uh, talk openly about our problems right is there any uh, difference between what you have in yeah Picture. so yeah so basically in terms of support groups it's first not very accessible because um um as far as i know most dutch uh, most support groups in netherlands are dutch based mm-hmm. and having a, a accessibility for the international students is very hard that is one thing and also the resource uh, resources available about the support groups is also very less for example we have this uh, national crisis system in netherlands uh the uh, the the problem is they are understaffed and most of the time you won't get a- any kind of access to them as a system is there a service is there but it's not being accessible right then it's of no use right as well right so um i think um the whole point that i'm trying to address the the gap i'm trying to address is like what if um there's a tool that can be used by everyone anyone for example okay so i am not able to go out of the house for example or i am not able to access a resource a, a given uh, formal resource for a depression then what if i and shreyas for example we can use a toolkit 
to open up with an ourselves okay so anyone can open up with anyone it can be their friends it can be their neighbors their flatmates okay. anything so it's more accessible basically is it more like a group of questions that you ask each other so you were talking about context mapping and how what is it like can you just explain a yeah, bit sure. about that to the audience and also how this can be used as a tool to yeah, overcome yeah. these yeah so basically uh, context mapping is a design uh, tool for something called as actually generative um, sessions so uh, in what are these sessions uh, generative yeah. sessions yeah so 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 basically uh, okay so maybe i can say an example so if you are using a comb that you use every day but if i'm going to ask you a question about okay how do you use comb and what better can we have as a comb like features then you won't be able to uh, tell me very in depth insights right so because though you have used it every time but you are not mindful or conscious enough to mm-hmm. understand what it means to use a comb and how comb is really impactful in your life and things like that right so how it's improving your confidence for example that kind of a answer you won't give me at the first instance yeah i mean like if you it's ask me like uh, if i'm getting up like if you ask me like when do you get up in the morning and i say i'm getting up at 7 and if you ask me like why do i get up at 7 yeah then i'm i'm a little bit clueless as to exactly. say what exactly can you get up earlier <laughs> <laughs> like why do you not get up earlier yeah. no, the, all these why questions i think it requires a little bit of uh, provoking exactly. or maybe some pre uh, exposition to all these i mean uh, how do you go go about exactly. that uh, I mean. so uh, uh what we do uh, during the generative session is like basically we we give a uh, booklet uh, having questions that trigger um questions within yourself it's not me interviewing you but it's about f- for you to think about how you use a certain uh, service or a product or or action right mm-hmm. so this uh, this will be like a booklet more insights uh, more insights for for yourself about what you think at the first instance it's and not something like you just fill up these answers right it's more yeah, exactly. meant to provoke the thought exactly right so uh, then uh, when i start interviewing you you will tend to give me more in depth insights mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so so this is the process of context mapping so basically you map the context in which the user is and, right um so the way uh, i'm using context mapping to create this design toolkit is that like i'm trying to understand first what are the triggers uh, the needs and motivations of the students at delft of what are their fears what are their trigger factors like why do they get anxious at the first place right like it 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 can be uh, as simple as like uh, they already have a anxiety attack or like anxiety disorder but it might be also that maybe they had taken a huge loan then they come here and then uh they're expecting too much out of them and you know like you have multivarious factors mm-hmm. right they're not able to cope up with the cope syllabus. up with the study load like yeah. it can be anything right mm-hmm. uh and sometimes it will be like okay, logically you know that you have to do this but you won't be able to do that but why is that that you won't know as a person as a user right so yeah. such things need to be mapped out and with this i plan to create a origami based uh, toolkit visual toolkit uh wherein uh, it's like a, a board game and uh, two or more users can play it um so it's as i said it's just actually set of questions but you keep opening up so it moves from easy questions to to hard questions oh, so wow. as the game develops it 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 starts with the easy question and goes to the tough questions so because tough, if if i'm going to directly ask you at the first place even though i'm a roommate even I'm, though i'm a 
a very good friend of uh, you know you and then i'm going to ask you okay so how why do you get depressed yeah thomas yeah. and you'll be like what what is this guy asking you no know, like yeah. you, you you will it's, feel intimidated it's, or it's very like out very of uncomfortable context. very yeah. out of context yeah, why are you asking me all of a sudden mm-hmm. exactly right so you, you feel uncomfortable you do bring in that context through yeah. uh, step by step step uh, yeah, slowly like you know like you just ask how was your day and you know how do you feel and things like that it's more and then slowly you go into the topic okay so i've been um, seeing quite some time that you're not been well you know is mm-hmm. everything okay anything things like that slowly you move on and then you start opening up so once you open up once this board game is played then you uh, feel more comfortable with the person that you're talking to okay this guy now now knows that he knows everything of me like almost like you know yeah. and then now i can easily share whenever i feel bad that okay thomas like i'm feeling bad what do you think do you have 5 minutes mm-hmm. to talk mm-hmm. so this opens up a conversation so more than solving it through for example cognitive behavioral therapy or through antidepressants or something like that yes it's more towards actually coping up with the situation yeah so i'm not trying to solve d- depression or anxiety but mm-hmm. i'm trying to help students to cope up with their uh, depression depression mm-hmm. okay i mean that is um a very action oriented um solution to their own problems and yeah. uh, if they're motivated enough to get over it uh, i think uh, if you're successful at um, designing this particular uh, toolkit then then yeah uh, that would impact a lot of people krishna yeah and i think uh, there is one more point i want to add is um, there is something called as a user innovation if you've heard of it I think that's something which like what you are uh, think or do trying to do with stammering as well right yeah exactly user innovation is something where the user tries to solve his problem so that he has tried and tested enough that it works is user tries to solve his own problem his own problems yeah. so until you until that problem is solved within you like you won't leave it right you will feel no. motivated to solve the problem like that yes. that was the whole intention of the design of the whole activity right yeah so but if you are designing for someone else you you like you should of course conduct interviews and testing and validation yeah. to see if it has worked but if if it's for you you yeah you, you already know you have already so much that. context into this problem exactly. right you know you it has worked exactly. or not worked oh yes yeah, yeah. for you is it working or not yeah. no bluff game in this exactly if it's working then you you're yeah done with it you know like you're good with it yeah awesome um So the next question would be Krishna um you've been working with kids for some time now it's been i think 3 uh, years, years yeah 3 years since you're working with kids and uh, how has this experience of working with kids and interacting with them changed you personally or influenced you your thought process okay so um i think um uh initially like what people do like generally like a general uh, approach to kids is like we try to uh, teach them what we know we try to push like not consciously or intentionally pushing but we end up pushing our own perspectives into ch- into children yes. and what they should learn and what they should not learn yeah but i in the process learned to unwind from that conditioning of the adult pushing into a child's world that uh now i have started to understand what and how why children think the way they, they think oh what are your insights on that krishna so yeah f- for instance i had this very interesting um experience from the village lobby during my fellowship yeah 
Um, was it so, called lobby lobby yes okay lobby means uh, greedy in hindi yeah greedy in hindi <laughs> greedy. so it is uh, it's okay. a greedy village greedy greedy for development i yeah. guess <laughs> okay lobby interesting yeah. Yeah. yeah so basically um um i was once teaching them actually um well um okay so yeah so basically once i was teaching them about mirrors and light light ray diagrams you know things like optics that. And optics so. basically optics and um this this kid in uh, all of a sudden popped up from the class and then said okay sir like you are teaching me optics let me teach you something and then he just grabbed my phone he opened the gallery and then he uh, broke a light bulb like he just hit the bottom part like took it out he filled water and he uh, held it and he put the phone and then on the wall just projecting an inverted image okay he didn't know about optics he didn't know like it was not taken for him but he has just observed it so that's also optics right like he doesn't know he doesn't need to know what is ohm's law what is this law that law right but he has observed it he has observed the interaction the same way i observed as a kid right yeah i didn't know anything i didn't know about buoyancy but i made floats for dams yeah. like small dams right yeah. so this is the process of play right so basically this is also where um the mainstream education kind of kills the creativity right like you try to impose names to certain things which which is not in context like he doesn't know what is ohm that makes it abstract right they yeah, it makes him abstract it... like what is ohm man like what is theta in trigonometry sin theta cos theta what is theta like even i didn't understand i hated math as a kid i like geometry because i could relate to it right yeah so this kid was like okay sir this is it you know yeah this brings me into this uh, whole idea of physicality of learning you know yeah um what is that thomas physicality of learning in the <coughs> sense now we try to structure things in our mind and i do feel that there's a lot to be observed physically as well and and try to bridge the gap between our physical surroundings and what we try to learn and structure in our mm. minds and that is exactly yep. what krishna is talking mm. about with respect to how um, this kid showed him how it worked in real uh, while he was explaining him in with respect to uh, light diagrams mm. light ray diagrams right mm. and uh, this is something that could be incorporated um, in a huge level yep. in our learning experience mm. this exactly. reminds me of this example krishna of uh, <laughs> how the children were able to relate well with the tractors and yeah exactly isn't yeah. it uh, yeah. can you tell a bit yeah, more yeah, about sure. that so uh, we had this um, um, series of um, sessions where we were teaching uh, them about uh, basic engineering concepts like uh, hinge joints and universal joints and things like that um, but then uh, these kids were like okay they were like playing and they like they had fun constructing it out of ice cream sticks and stuff like that but then uh, they didn't understand what exactly is this guy saying right like they couldn't relate to it so i just actually hunt took them on a walk i said okay so you, you see that auto rickshaw like auto rickshaw like i don't know what is it called so auto rickshaw is called as a tuk tuk yeah tuk tuk yeah tuk tuk yeah so i just showed so i'm like okay so you just see the wheels <laughs> that's called universal joint and that's what universal joint is like to connect two shafts with angles right and then uh, there was a tractor and then we had a and the three point hitch so this is exactly what we were doing in class yeah. so then they could relate to it so from from the next class on before teaching them something i used to tell them like or show them it's not like telling them 
but showing them okay this is the thing we are going to build in class so they were more interested okay that now i'm going to build something that i can use and this is what it's used for so i think that kind of um bringing in context to education that is very important or else if you're going to learn about space shuttle without even seeing one and then you're going to keep on learning in engineering yeah. about engines and this and that and stirling engine la 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 because uh, since i did mechanical engineering i saw stirling engine only in like videos yeah and i've never seen a stirling engine real like though i though if you ask me like how it works i can explain in like a 16 mark answer in examination but i couldn't really uh, experience it. it connect to it like and or, or i couldn't use it to build something else yeah in my projects right yeah yeah that knowledge is lost basically is exactly. what you're saying exactly the effort in understanding what that thing is without connecting it to your physicality then it exactly. is then just it's lost. Like lost yeah that's nice um so this i'm i'm trying to uh, jump over to a next uh, context yeah, uh, sure. krishna with respect to uh, design this might be the arty face of design you know aesthetic <laughs> the aesthetics of design so as engineers we don't care about aesthetics much we we are, the, <laughs> we are the we are the we are the dirty guys in who who try to tinker with things and just make things work you know um yeah. um so there was a lot of <clears throat> rapid learning that happened because of these uh, projects also um with the motivation that you already have um how did you go about learning all these things at such a rapid pace one is because of the environment that i was in like everyone was doing things and i had to cope up that yeah. was like a internal pressure and i think uh, that is one of the uh, factors that we try to cope up and survive in a in, in countries like india right yes we are, we are we are always in a pressure to do something hmm. because we're not like, like in terms of competition else, right? yeah competition right like i think that's a very good advantage that we have right like um so uh, that is one thing about the peers and the environment like the, the inspiration that i had from others and next is also about a um, large group of very good friends who were like who really understood that i'm from a different background and i'm not good at it and things like that um and of course my projects for example um uh, both my um, go safe product my first semester know it and also about the uh, project on excel scope i had a huge learning curve in the like in like it was like very rapid i had to learn like lot of skills could you follow up i mean uh, just to make like help the audience to understand these projects so uh, yeah, sure. what about the go go safe and uh, yeah. excel scope project right yeah yeah sure yeah yeah so uh, basically in my first semester uh, of my masters uh, so i was um, put in touch with a uh, uh, leading battery manufacturer in china okay. as, as my client okay. so we had to uh, design a, a product based on light to to ensure safety right for women is no no, no for anyone like, yeah anyone so, okay. so so the brief was using light you have to ensure safety okay so that was a brief safety in what context it can be anything anything it can be anything okay <clears throat> so that was like a group project like it was it was an individual project but it was the theme was common for okay. all of them yes okay mm-hmm. not all of them it was like for a spe- so basically uh, we had to use light for uh, outdoor for entertainment and for safety there, there were three themes and my group was assigned to the safety safety okay thing. <clears throat> so <clears throat> i wanted to take this opportunity of uh, understanding and uh, studying design processes at delft to create an impact like 
go back to my original principles of why mm-hmm. I wanted to design in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, um, why not we, in, um, you know, use light uh, to ensure safety for women, you know, because uh, back then we had like a lot of uh, sexual assault incidents mm-hmm. in countries like Brazil, India and Thailand and things like that. Yeah. So uh, I, I really wanted to address that, right, like in some way. It was more like an emotion than... Mm-hmm. uh be be backed out of data and yeah exactly yeah, yeah backed out of data mm-hmm. so um so the concept was to um give the user the women enough time to escape in in the uh, wake of an attack so basically i built a portable and an affordable um high incapacity optical incapacitator okay. which means that um the device could flash blind a person after 2 minutes okay um and the uh, user can escape mm that was the whole idea and the inspiration came from um, uh, a product used by the US defense and homeland security okay. against the mexican uh, illegal immigrants oh to stop them on the border they created like a uh, stroboscopic like so 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 there is an effect called as the stroboscopic effect okay and um, this is to stop uh anyone approaching you mm-hmm. because it could flash blind you it could and disorient you okay so i wanted to create such a device but then as a very like on in a, in a in a very compact scale as small as like a watch mm-hmm. so that it's not like evident as a weapon that women are carrying around and it is camouflaged as a weapon. watch i mean it doesn't yeah, exactly. really pop out as some kind of a fitting extra fitting on your body but yeah, exactly. also so serves a watch a, yeah like the uh, men in black watch <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> it also does some kind of a flashing yeah, yeah they, like they have a pen right and they he twist the pen and then you're done you're like you just lose memory and all yeah you lose your memory yeah. so this was the inspiration and um, so yeah so uh, when i start when i started doing it though it was more of personal motivation right but then my coaches were like little skeptical of the idea because they were, it was like a weapon and you know like maybe uh, it doesn't work and things like that but then i was like uh, really determined to make it work so i tried um, like i had to okay so be, just to give a background this I, was for the concept <laughs> or did you actually make it i actually made it but that but this is for a course which we didn't require just for a concept no didn't yeah. require right yeah, yeah but it just middle made it okay <laughs> that's made it so that it can be brought into the market and things like that later on okay but how did you go about uh, these electronic uh, yeah, things yeah exactly so basically i had no knowledge of electronics yeah literally nothing so yeah. i had to learn like i started with audio and stuff okay so but then this was pretty basic stuff like it just um, uh, so i had to flash um a red green blue uh, lights at a specific frequency so that the person who sees it gets undisoriented okay and that was a whole concept and uh, i literally made it and i have flash blinded myself a lot of times okay just to test first yeah as the first uh, lab rat yeah uh, and um, then uh, i i invited some users like uh, from from for testing for some of my friends so uh, we had a setup of uh, attacker and a defender okay. so the attacker's job is to grab the bag uh, grab a bag one by the defender okay. yeah. and then the defender has this watch and then she can protect herself yes okay so then we we kind of understood like lot got lot of insights about how to trigger the watch because triggering the watch it's not used two hands 
otherwise you will tend to flash blind yourself oh yeah you just flash blind like mm-hmm. that and then um, so uh, we just introduce new sensors and things like that um and then uh, i did not get a good grade in my final uh, acd uh, advanced concept design course why because the client uh, just said that it doesn't fit into our portfolio and the uh, my coach my you know uh, design coach he yeah. said that uh, you know such devices are not very encouraged and uh, we didn't like it's just like a new breakthrough thing uh-huh. but then but then maybe it doesn't work at all you know mm. so and because all other projects were like uh, <laughs> they made uh, lights for the bike like bike light Uh, for jogging light and things like that i was yeah. like man this is what everyone does like like i don't yeah. want to end up designing headlights for people right yeah. so <clears throat> so then i was like uh, i was like very down i was like little demotivated as like okay fine. like i was happy with the work but i was not very uh, satisfied satisfied with the response that i got grades or yeah. It, it, yeah no it's not about the grades but it's about the way people perceive about the product right oh yes then i was just like yeah i was just doing other stuff and then uh, one day one of my friends an indian girl she came up to me and said like you know krishna like <clears throat> i was just uh, biking through delft and there was a group of guys following me and that's when i realized that um, if if i if i have had the krishna's uh, product then i would have felt much safer then i was then when she told me i was like okay this is it you know i'm not doing it for the grades and for the course but i'm doing it for people like her mm-hmm. you know then i again started up the yeah. project yeah then um, recently um, during the mit boot camp so um, i further developed the project with, with the team there and uh, it was uh, regarded as the one of the outstanding projects of the boot camp oh wow um, and um, yeah so i think that um, yeah so it was <laughs> this really in- interesting for me like you know like this is where perceive uh, perseverance you know actually counts when uh, yeah, exactly. a set of people and you don't you don't let a set of people uh, judge what yeah. you were doing and you had your own um, answers to your <coughs> own questions and you exactly. you know you knew that you had to do this for this group of people and it would work intuitively you you had that feeling yeah, right yeah exactly it would work yeah exactly just intuition and Oh, you've so, done a lot dude like <laughs> eh, like even uh, the team right even like one project for giving you guys um, a, a context one project is so dense in collecting a lot of skills with respect to um, how to how, how do you, how do you get started with such a, pro- a project and why do you get even framing that problem statement takes a long time yeah. and then you get into um realizing this project uh, how do you how do you manifest this project when you don't know electronics when you mm-hmm. don't know exactly. um yeah. you know don't don't have a big clue <coughs> of 3d modeling and you don't are not that good at sketching and, yeah. and this <laughs> That's is hard part. and this is advanced concept design and this is a really dense uh, project and this is what he managed <coughs> to do with that particular project mm-hmm. but there's one more project that he did for his embodiment design and in fact it won the james dyson uh, yes, award it's like for the work which he had done it's crazy mm-hmm. right it's amazing could you tell about the uh, experience you had yeah, and also the experience you had yeah thanks so yeah so uh, i think uh, answering to like uh, your earlier uh, um, important point is that like uh, i think uh, intention matters 
yes. a lot more yes. than knowledge and the expertise that you yes. have and yes. the yes. capacity so because i, I think that um, if if you're going to say that if you're going to think that okay so this is what i know and this is what i'm capable of that's just your mind right it's within your mind if you're going to think that the intention matters the outcome matters a lot then you'll be ready to do anything right yeah so i think that is one of the driving factors mm-hmm. okay to learn much more mm-hmm. so uh, i think basically uh, the method that i use for design mm-hmm. like for such a context is like even though i do not know about electronics even now i do not know fully about all you know like and and i think um i don't have to learn everything about everything no you don't you don't yeah. i just need some bits and pieces of everything to solve so that problem. so that i can connect dots yeah. and i can solve the problem yeah Exactly. and that dots can come from anywhere it yeah. need not be my personal learning it can be learning of you or yeah. say yes yeah you have had some collective knowledge of something right yes so while talking you just listen so so the method that i use to uh, maybe do rapid learning and implementation mm-hmm. is to talk to many people oh okay because what i believe is like if you ask 10 things and that you get one answer one productive answer from them that's mm-hmm. very useful Okay. So that is enough for me to connect the dots. And I think uh, these kind of insights you won't really get with Google searches. No, right? you you won't. You know, you, you talk won't. to people and yeah. yeah understand yeah. their experiences and try to implement so it. So he might say me one keyword that I can Google. Then I can ask how to do this. Then Google says me what to do. Yes. <laughs> without using the, without knowing what to do or yes. what to search for, yeah. I cannot really Google, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. and i cannot search thousands of pages of textbooks to find that keyword no no but it's up to the condensed knowledge of people mm-hmm. who can uh, expose that to me yes that uh, i learned back in school maybe i can give you a short thing about that okay in school when i was in 11th grade the the grade when i failed mm-hmm. the year that i failed right so uh, what i used to do is like i don't know like maybe, maybe i was not learning well or studying well or whatever right so all that i did was i did not do even like the last minute preparation for exams <laughs> but in the exam during the exam yeah. the science log book right oh, they give a science data book for yes, us right yes. i used to see the elements and the atomic numbers and things like that i could connect dots between different pages yeah. uh, why it's this and things like that and i could answer the questions so that's the coping like that's the method that i used to pass some exams Oh wow that is like learning on the fly like learning yeah, as you solve like a problem that's that's amazing and i think that, that that's why you you don't like sit in one position like you know place and learn. i've never seen him uh, you know actually sit in one place or work on a, a problem or anything he's always talking with people he's always uh, involved in his project not in a very uh, unidirectional way but more of uh, Uh, absorbing a lot of things that everyone else has to say mm-hmm. not not just thinking about what he has to mm-hmm. design or yeah i think this is what books do right yeah. even the author is not giving his entirety of like his own perspectives yeah. but it, he has collected a lot of knowledge Sh- collection books of uh, and he is putting in one nutshell in yeah. his book mm-hmm. and that we are reading right yeah. so it is also similar to having conversation with a, with a person or yeah. with a group of persons yeah. i'm getting a lot of things and I just need those points dots yeah. that I can connect and solve my problem what I'm trying to solve. Mm. That's my approach. Yeah. Okay, so coming back to Excel scope. Yes. So Excel scope was part of my advanced concept design project. AD. Yeah, uh, embodiment. Embodiment, embodiment design. design, sorry. Yeah. Embodiment design. Uh yeah, 
so now um, what is the problem krishna this is uh, regarding malaria right exactly okay so in uh, countries like africa like in developing countries in general mm-hmm. the problem is uh, most uh, rural areas or semi urban areas they are either understaffed or they don't have laboratories or even if they have a laboratory like a primary health center in india they don't have enough trained skilled people to operate microscopes for example okay right and uh, malaria is uh, the leading cause of death in africa oh okay uh, so the countries that uh, where we wanted to create the device for is actually uh, uh, well nigeria yes okay. so yeah so we are developed it for nigeria um um yeah so the problem in nigeria is that like um, we did not have uh, uh, so so basically there are levels of health centers mm-hmm. level 2 3 and then we have hospitals and then health workers and things like that so these level 2 health centers they do not even have proper access to electricity and okay. you forget about internet for for that matter right uh-huh. you don't have access to any kind of uh, information and even if you take e medicine telemedicine you need internet services there okay. so, so you cannot really do yeah. all those stuff there yeah so and this was the context that we're trying to address right yeah so you use a mobile sorry yeah yeah so basically uh what we did was uh we uh wanted to use a, a mo- like a smartphone yeah uh, and then uh tulip had uh, like uh, the 3me department um, developed an optic system mm-hmm. that can transform a phone's uh, camera into a into uh um To, a microscope to, yeah to yeah exactly a sort of microscope to yeah to sort of microscope with uh, yeah so it can see up to a resolution of yeah so um this optic system enabled a smartphone can uh, to to see microbes um so the reason why we placed a mobile phone inside the product is because we wanted the product to be able to be locally manufactured yeah. and repaired Mm-hmm. so that the, the the people also get a sense of ownership yeah so some insights that that i got from dehave right yeah so we we want to do that um so basically this is like a fully automated so, so excel scope is a fully automated diagnostic tool for malaria mm-hmm. that uses machine learning to detect and count parasites in blood samples wow um so i majorly worked on um, the electronics the smart systems mm-hmm. and as well as the on development of machine learning algorithms Mm-hmm. Um so this was also a new foray into machine learning and yeah, exactly. uh, you didn't have coding uh, background if yeah, not so so i did not know <laughs> anything yeah so i did not know anything about uh, coding yeah. but then uh, initially the idea was to uh, manually move the device with with buttons mm-hmm. uh, to switch between fields of use but then according to the world health organization for a thin smear slide which is a type of blood blood sample preparation we had to examine 800 fields of use and that can take up to easily like oh, oh one and a half hours mm-hmm. right but then we didn't have enough time because there's a huge population and most of the labs were understaffed yeah. so we had to really make it faster right yes. so we wanted to make a system like an automated system where the blood samples can be examined automatically so you just insert this blood sample and then you do any other work the the, the nurse mm-hmm. so so the nurse need not be highly skilled because she is not counting the parasites herself mm-hmm. and also the problem with microscopes the existing micro- optical microscopes yeah. is very expensive it can cost anywhere between 2000 to 3000 euros per unit wow and our device cost like 300 euros okay 
and uh, the another major uh, uh, current um, diagnostic tool is um, uh, so yeah so uh, i had to learn uh, different programming languages within the short span of like 6 months one semester uh it was very hard but uh, i think again the intention matters help, more matters more and that helped me a lot that i had the emotion that you know okay if i'm going to do something like that as part of the team and if that could even save one life in africa then that's like a very meaningful outcome that i can contribute to right that kept me going and uh, of course i burnt out i broke down i was depressed because you know there was like too much to learn too much to do yeah and that was hard but then i think now i really feel good about myself because i could do that um yeah so and then um, earlier this year i mean not earlier this year like yeah in around september we were um, um, announced that we are the uh, international runner up of the james dyson award wow so and then we were interviewed by the bbc the guardian and things like that so yeah it's it's a very interesting journey like it's it's a hard and interesting journey i would say yes and uh, yeah so uh, thomas to i mean uh, what's interesting about this is this is the course work which we are talking about oh yes isn't it yeah, uh, yeah. and these are the projects related to the course course yes but what we have not talked about till now is the startup which uh, krishna is also working in right now and you are also working <laughs> <laughs> so that's the side project that's the sidekick <laughs> we 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 kind of get confused what is a sidekick and what is the main project <laughs> right because <laughs> that's true like yeah so krishna i mean right so we we talked a little bit about uh, d hive and what you've been doing in terms of the education of uh, the children there right now uh, can you talk a bit more about what uh, is happening in terms of tangible programming and yeah. uh, what is this uh, new uh, what do you say exploration in terms of how children are interacting with uh, toys for coding mm-hmm. uh, so yeah yeah so <laughs> it's it's quite awkward now to ask about uh, decode like as a since you are also working on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways okay yeah It's yeah. basically you're like asking yourself some <laughs> questions <laughs> that you already know answers of. Yeah. Shreyas. Anyway, it's just for the audience to. Uh, yeah, uh, for for you guys to uh, have a context on things. These two people here, uh, fancy people, are working on. Um, and yeah, Krishna, go on, pick it up. Yeah. Pick sure. it up from there. Yeah. So um, um, yeah. So um, so so basically, we got um some very key learnings from Dehave. Mm-hmm. which is on experiential learning as mm-hmm. i earlier said like um because children have to really um um feel like touch and feel yes. and interact with their um sensory stimuli of what yes. they're trying to play with right mm-hmm. um so we thought uh, and we we just saw it it was very um, surprising to see like how much time that children spend on screens right like you would have all noticed like all our uh, relatives and family friends and like you know the young children they spend most of the time on screens yeah so we were just thinking if it's possible to create a tool that can help children learn and later on even design things to mm-hmm. um without screens yeah like of course of course in a in a more 
growing a, a digital economy like of course they are going to anyway get exposed to screens mm-hmm. but then they should also know that there is a world outside like a physical world where they can still make a difference mm-hmm. and not go entirely into virtu- into a virtual uh, era right mm-hmm. uh, virtual virtual dystopia yeah exactly so everything is so uh, in front of a blue screen and you interact yeah. no i mean i'm 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 totally with you guys because children these days they start Uh, they're exposed to iPads and uh, mm-hmm. laptops when they are 2 uh, years old 3 years old 2 years old okay. yeah yeah oh yeah they start at a very it's, young age it's like uh, i mean it, it's it's more looks like as if they are they're born with a tablet in the hand <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and they automatically know how to use it it's something like it's yeah you you would be surprised when you see a 4 year old showing you how to go about using a tablet in which you might not have a good grasp of exactly. you know yeah. uh, another um, point i would like to add is that like um the whole motivation is that like though uh, yeah of course children are not going to get exposed to a digital world anyways like they're going to they going to have to face that, yeah, they have to face yes. they have to use it but then they should also um, not get an opinion that okay so digital is everything right like they should have the sense that even without digital we can do much more stuff so that's the whole point <clears throat> so we started um, working on this uh, project decode it's um, a set of modular blocks that help children to express themselves and their creative thinking through uh, untangible programming yeah so um tangible programming is basically um usually uh, to just put it in simple words yeah so uh usually uh, you have programs like scratch a logo uh, uh blockly there are some apps that is based on block bl- block based um programming Coding. languages okay. okay this is like basically it's like a, a, a gui okay uh, based on blocks so, yeah. uh, gui it's it's not like so like, uh, okay. yeah, so uh, like generally code is like lines of code you have it's 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 difficult for children to actually uh code uh, like in terms of c program at a very young age like so uh, what has happened in sense. terms of uh, the whole evolution of uh, like uh, applications like uh, scratch and logo is that it has made it easier for kids to kind of grasp coding mm-hmm. so you have such blocks in a visual manner so it's more like they are just dragging and dropping it and mm-hmm. it becomes a sequence of code rather than just typing down various uh, uh, functions and uh, mm-hmm. calling them mm-hmm. so this was a very big breakthrough in terms of uh, the whole uh, visual and block based approach but okay. then uh, tangible programming is one uh, one layer up i guess right in terms of uh, bringing it even more contextual to the children Uh, by making it uh, tangible, tangible like you touch it yeah. imagine we can touch the code and you can feel it mm-hmm. and then so the the similar learnings of what we uh, happen to have done through df so what if they could actually touch and feel the code and then in that way there is much more learning okay yeah through which yeah. exactly yeah how we manages this time okay <laughs> we not really ask that question no, isn't it like no. how how does krishna manages time like 60 what I, projects throughout your life and plus also ha- projects happening in parallel parallel uh, not sequential tu tud course uh, tud courses mars uh, electives he's electives. taking uh, way beyond uh, the actual requirement of the credits by the way yeah that is um, because of his i mean yeah, whatever yeah because <laughs> he's, he's not human <laughs> i i don't think you're human um yeah and and, and then he, he does also have decode Uh, yeah. having uh, yeah, like so, running so, parallelly yeah but then um 
Krishna, you're the only one. I think um, I I would uh, say similar to Elon Musk in my life. <laughs> you know, I could use that analogy because I've never seen anyone run around and and actually uh, execute projects, whatever they think in their minds. Because even with me, it's a big challenge with respect to whatever ideas that I get. I try to jot it down. Now I try to draw them, um, but earlier I was just writing down and. Uh, but never taking the uh, action you know re- required to to seeing that project through i do have a lot of projects in my to do list but i i've never um, seen all these projects through one because maybe i'm lazy <laughs> maybe i didn't i, I got distracted very fast mm-hmm. but so these are all problems that i am facing how did you overcome all of this how do you overcome distraction and distraction in in, in terms of uh, other projects you know yeah. you you have started a, pr- a particular project and then you have started one more project how do you prioritize these two projects also you have projects from the university how do you prioritize that and how do you manage all this how do you balance all this time out um okay um yeah i think um um okay i don't know man <laughs> you don't know <laughs> there is no method to this madness yeah so so basically i think uh maybe you say that i'm doing a lot of things in at the same time but i think i have uh, reduced a lot than earlier <laughs> because in college i was doing a lot because i had my uh, i had another startup in college in uh, bachelors um so uh what i learned back then is like um one thing that i've learned is to well to uh, one moment other other one prioritize my work mm-hmm. right like how, what are the most exciting projects that i'm working on yeah. that is in my top priority first priority, mm-hmm. first priority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and then rest i just leave out this is what i've learned so um from these experiences because uh in uh, back in college i was sleeping like 2 hours a day and i was like hallucinating i was like so confused disoriented then i thought that okay this is not the most uh, effective way of doing things right yeah. because i have to be alive at the first place another uh, tool the the most effective tool i have been using for years is to uh, write to do task in my hand in your hand so that i can see so the accessibility is more instead of unlocking my phone and seeing things uh-huh that takes some time right like you know or i just get lost or something yeah. so i just used to write using ball pen pen in my hands in my hands and legs and things like whatever like, crazy <laughs> so no okay so, so basically so that uh, even when i'm like or daydreaming or you know doing something else it's there and then when i see it i remember oh shit i have two things to do let's keep doing you know yeah this so that's the kind of motivation that i get so uh, it reminds me of two movies momento and gajini <laughs> <laughs> yeah Is momento for the international guys and gajini for the indian guys <laughs> yeah krishna um yeah so okay we have mentioned this thing right yeah done and then Understand. Okay, we talked about Tikol. Yeah, we did. Okay. Um, oh yeah, tools essentially. Okay, so Krishna, uh, one more question is like you you mentioned tools in terms of productivity, mm-hmm. how to make it more efficient, your tasks, right, mm-hmm. to execute. But uh, could you also give a little bit of a picture for the audience which is interested to know more about design as to what kind of methodologies or processes which you follow? I think you might also have your own philosophy or uh, 
uh, workflow right in terms of uh, how you kind of uh, approach design projects so are there some things which you have learned out of experience and also in terms of uh, in in through the cur- curriculum as well which you are following yourself yeah yeah so uh, i think uh, the few of the methods that i really like is one is actually uh, agile methods of doing iterative design understanding of the project mm-hmm. and it it is not limited to even only desktop research or things like that okay. but actually talking to the people involved like the end users mm-hmm. so that i know what what exactly is needed it's not only about the insights but it's also about the emotions and perspectives about that particular problem yeah so i get that then i do um, ideation sessions with people and that too i used to do with people like you know yeah it can be users it can be friends but yeah. the more i talk the more clarity i get Mm-hmm. maybe that's how my brain works maybe um and yeah so then uh, yeah then then that's like regular stuff right like you so one thing that i uh, really like is the process in terms of process is mm-hmm. that uh, i like to um, build things like using uh, a lego and next for example mm-hmm. toys like construction toys mm-hmm. that help me visualize Okay. So instead of just like like for mod like like for modeling and modeling with clay and for yeah. example mm-hmm. I used to do it with toys. So it's much more easier to tinker and then change designs and mm-hmm. because that's what I have been doing as a kid mm-hmm. and I also like the experience mm-hmm. as well as it's very iterative in terms of agile. Okay. So it can be like agile tool like toys can be like agile tools for design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. interesting it's insane um that you walked us through all of your experiences in sh- such short uh, time uh, it's been amazing talking with you krishna and uh, you sharing your experiences yeah. um now it's given us an insight as to what we could do in our own lives with respect to the work that we're mm-hmm. doing it uh, has i think triggered a lot of uh, associations right like yes. uh, how how mm-hmm. differently can you go how lengthwise or breadthwise right yeah. there's so much which we could do in our lives right yeah. isn't it for me it it has restructured or um, given strengths to my um, whole idea of uh, rapid learning and uh, learning to solve problems and now i know it works because of you um and and we're looking forward to doing more work with respect to yeah. rapid learning yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. learning goals and learning for solving problems rather than learning to solve a project yeah mm-hmm. that you don't care yeah. about mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah Honestly. all right yeah thanks, thanks krishna thank you thanks krishna <laughs> yeah and yeah it has been great talking to you yeah sure thanks yeah. So we reached the se- uh, the the end of the second episode of uh, the design narrative and thank you guys for joining us and being so patient in our conversation. See you. <laughs> okay. <laughs>